Welcome back, everybody. This is the Black Wash Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Larry Sampson, with my other co-host, Destiny Johnson. And today we have a very serious topic. Today we're going to start the conversation off with the events that transpired with Dante Wright. Now, for those of the people who are listening, who uh, maybe are living underneath a rock and haven't heard of the Dante Wright case, kind of, you know, explain to them what happened, Destiny. Okay, so... It's so terrible that we're starting to be desensitized to situations like this. So Dante Wright was pulled over in Minnesota, a couple blocks away from where the Derek Chauvin trial is going on, that from the officer who killed George Floyd. So he's pulled over by two officers. Another officer arrives. At some point, he's taken out of the car. The body-worn camera footage picks up and shows what's going on. So he's out of the car, has his hands behind his back. Um, at some point, he gets his hands loose and tries to like get back in the car or drive off. I don't know. An officer pulls out a weapon from her belt, which happened to be a gun, shoots him point blank and yells, Taze. So... I guess her story was that she was trying to grab her taser, which appears like a gun, to tase him, but accidentally shot him. He, the car rolls off and he dies subsequently. And that is the story behind it. And this another young black male, 20 years old, who is dead um, from essentially what's an accident. <sighs> You know, it's, it's so heartbreaking. And I tell people this, regardless of how and why someone dies, being 20 years old and being dead is such a heartbreaking event to take place. Like, I just think back to when I was 20 and just the thing to myself, man, like you're really just figuring out the world. Like, don't get me wrong, you're an adult. I'm not trying to frame it as if he's a child, but you're still so kind of young and dumb at 20. And for a split second decision to end your life is tragic. Before we start even assigning to fault to either party, just the fact that somebody is 20 years old and is dead is incredibly sad. And I just think as a person, if you can't just address that fact, even before looking into the facts, if you can't even address the fact that it is tragic that a 20 year old is dead, I think you need to do some soul searching. But on top of that, like, I think it's, it's fair now to say, okay, what transpired? So apparently he either, the story is he either got pulled over because he had an air freshener hanging from his window, which is illegal, or he had expired tags. Uh, the police are claiming that it was expired tags. Um, people from Dante Wright's side are claiming that he got pulled over for um, having something hanging from the window. Either way, can I just put in there, is not a reason to die. The air freshener or the tags. Here's the thing, which I agree with, but I don't think it'd be a fair characterization to say he died for any of those. But let's let's talk about everything that happened. I think, you know, having uh, um, expired tags is a reason to get pulled over. I don't think having something dangling from your thing is a reason to get pulled over. But if they're allowed to, to pull you over for that, then, you know, the law is the law. Okay, but as far as the events that took place, 
I think that the officer should certainly be fired because even in the height of battle, like in, in the midst of a chaotic situation, if you can't tell the difference between your gun and your taser, you don't need to be in that profession. And that's Put not me facts. saying- Put in the facts too. And, this is an officer that has been on the force for 26 years longer than Dante has been alive. And for you not to be able to distinguish between your taser and your gun is a problem. No, and, that, and you know what? I'm glad you actually stopped me to interject that fact in because you're absolutely right. So the, the fact that, and like a lot of people say, well, the situation was chaotic. Well, it's like, well, that's when you're getting paid to do is to handle that chaotic situation. I can't be a roofer and get on top of the roof and say, well, I would normally be able to fix it, but this roof is so high and I'm afraid of heights. Well, if I'm afraid of heights or I can't perform well on tall buildings, then I don't need to be a roofer. So similarly, as if, it, if in the middle of a chaotic situation, if you can't keep your head to distinguish between your gun and your taser, you don't need to be a police officer. So she needed to be fired and that action should have been swift. She, I believe, resigned and didn't even get fired. Maybe it was one of those things like, hey, we'll let you either resign or we're gonna fire you, but she should no longer be a cop. However, okay. however that is a different story between whether or not there's criminal charges. Now let me, now let me break this down. I think the fact that she was allegedly trying to pull for her taser instead of her gun shows that her state of mind that she wasn't in fear for her life. She doesn't think that, oh, this is going to be a potentially life and death situation. You see what I'm saying? So that 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 lends credence to anybody who's in Dante Wright's corner who say, well, her being negligent and not being able to differentiate between the gun and the taser should speak to the, and the fact that she herself doesn't feel like it was a life or threat situation should have some bearing on the fact that there should be some guilt on her end or some liability in a civil action because she's to her own, she's acknowledging by pulling a by attempting to pull a taser that she's not in fear for her life, but yet somebody is dead as a result of her negligent action of not being able to differentiate. However, and I'm gonna let you chime in after this, I make this Please. statement. I'm itching. The fact that Dante Wright exacerbated this situation, it has to be a part of it. The, the thing is, is if it would have been like, I believe the brother's name was Walter Scott, where he breaks loose and then he's in a sprint in the other direction and they shoot him in the back, then I would say, you know what? 110%, this, this is open and shut. They're guilty they, or they should be guilty. Even though some states, you know, the, it's a little trickier with the law. But I would say absolutely. The fact that he breaks free and then tries to get into his car could lend itself to your thinking like, okay, is he getting in the car to drive away or is he getting in the car to try to grab something and then to fire shots or what have you? Now, I think it's, it's fair to distinguish between actively resisting and fighting. Like a lot of people are saying he was fighting the police. No, he wasn't fighting. He wasn't like throwing punches to, from what I can see from the video. It kind of gets raised. I think what happens is he rips away from, he has his hand behind his back, he rips away, he's trying to get into the car, and then once he's getting in the car, like he's he's swatting their hands off in the car, but I don't think he's actively like throwing punches trying to fight. 
what's, what's your thought on the case? I just want to rewind you all the way back. And you stated that you feel that she should be fired yeah. or some kind of civil action should come about out of this. First of all, I disagree with that on so many levels because us as civilians, if we were to make that same mistake, we would be in jail charged with murder. I don't care that it was an accident of this or with that. If you kill somebody, you're going to pay for that crime, whether it's an accident, okay, it's a manslaughter, or whether it's a, a degree of murder. And also- compared to fault though. Okay. And also- police officers are like the only profession who doesn't become liable for some sort of malpractice. So I get it if you are essentially trying to do your job and you did a mistake, but if you are a doctor or a lawyer, you are still liable for your mistakes. You don't just lose your job and move on with your life where there's a human being that's dead and about to be buried under the ground. No, here's the thing. I don't disagree with you, but there's a difference between the way things should be and the way that things are. So it's like we can sit here and lament the, the, the status quo and how the law is constructed, but you and I both know that they've, they've always been getting a certain amount of leeway that the average citizen doesn't get. I completely agree with you. I think that is completely idiotic, you know, um, a position to have. How can me as an average everyday citizen who's not trained be held responsible for well, an honest mistake, for an honest mistake, but somebody who goes through all these years of training can do it willy-nilly. Now, somebody's going to argue um, it's probably they wrote the laws that way for some sort of public interest as far as the idea that we don't want cops to be hesitant to, you know, you know, be able to maintain order or whatever, but I think that's bullshit. I think if you're going through all that training and I have zero training and I'm gonna be held liable for my mistake, you should be held liable for your mistake too. So I think that's the way it should be, but I think there's a difference and a distinction between how things should be and how the law is currently constructed and the amount of leeway that we know cops are given. And then too, I just wanna know like, what the hell is going on in Minnesota? Like. This was just a few miles away from where this trial for the killing of George Floyd is going on. And then also, it's, I think, another few miles away from years ago, Philandro Castile, who was shot in the car with his family. And it's just like, why? I, I just don't even understand. And here's the thing. I, I'm glad you brought them up. I, the one thing that I wish we as people would stop doing is lumping all these cases together. <laughs> I feel like- and, well, it's and, a lot of fucking cases. Yeah, but this, this is what I'm gonna say. I think, and I think they're all, it's, it's all a very, it's a devastating situation when anybody loses their life. But I think the Philando Castile situation and the Dante Wright situation are different situations. I think the Philando Castile one was a lot more, you know, you know, black and white. And I don't mean racially, I mean like, clear cut whereas this one is a little less clear cut in my in my opinion so i think we naturally want to lump everything in together and i, I think don't think it's as clear cut as you're trying to make it seem if he had a gun in his car or on him maybe he did not and i do not I care that he was, i don't clear. care that he was resisting or getting away because that's still not how you handle that you chase him you try no, no, to no, no, restrain no, no, no. or restrain him this and this is why I made the distinction. 
I agree with him trying to get away. That's why I made a distinction between had he ripped away and ran down the street, then I would say, yeah, I mean, to, there's there's no excuse for even maybe even tasing him in that situation. But and they should be completely liable. What I'm saying is what happened in, in these events isn't that. That's what happened in Walter Scott, which is why I thought the Walter Scott case was ridiculous that they didn't get charged because he's literally running from the opposite. How can you fear for your life? His back is to you and he's hightailing. He's trying to get away from you. He's not trying to hurt you. So the fear for your life element is crazy. And I'm not saying she feel for her life because I think the actual the evidence, you know, insinuates the opposite. The problem that I said I had with this particular one and why I feel like this one is not black and white is because he rips from the grass. And by the way, let's talk about a failure in policing later down the line before we even get to that event. He rips from them and then gets into his car. And then there, there's like this natural struggle between them trying to grab him back and him trying to get into his car. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying that warrants him getting shot and killed. What I'm saying is, when he does that, it heightens the situation from their point of view, because now you don't know if he's going in his car to get his gun or he's going in his car to drive away. Now, if you know he's going in his car to drive away, that's one thing, but he's getting in his car and I think his girlfriend's there too. So you don't know, now you have two people who one could- I get all the points that you're trying to make, but never has the officer or anyone who's spoken for the officer stated that she feared for her life or any of the officers for that matter feared for their life. They flat out said that she attempted to tase him. Now, if she were to believe that there was a weapon inside the car, then that would justify you pulling out a gun and saying, hey, I didn't know what he was getting in his car. No, but, but he I agree, but that's what I'm telling you. I'm saying so. I'm saying at the point that she was at, I have to ask myself, was it warranted for her to say he needed to be tased? That's what I'm getting to. I agree that if she uh, uh, was uh, attempting to shoot him, then that would have been wrong and saying, well, like, I'm just going to shoot him. I'm saying is what he did at that moment warranted of him being tased? And I'm saying at that moment, I can see how she could try to tase him. So when she pulls out within her mind, let's let's give her the most charitable, you know, depiction of that. If she pulls out what in her mind she thinks is a taser and then fires it and happens to be the gun, I'm not saying, you know, like, you know, she's not without fault. What I'm saying and completely in that particular context. I think it would have been warranted for her to be in a ta uh, for him, to, uh, for her to tase him. And because of the situation that he's created by his action, her mistake, it seems more justifiable. Like, hey, I was going for my taser and it happened to be a gun and I shot him. I didn't mean it. Versus he's running, like running away. I meant to tase him and I shot him in the back. Well, you, there shouldn't have been that frenzy for you to try to tase him because he's not even remotely in a potential place to even be threatening anyway. Whereas if he's in a car or his girlfriend is there, now the situation is a little different. So I, I completely agree with you in certain contexts that nobody's, well, I'm, I'm not saying nobody. I'm not advocating that he should have been, been shot, but I'm saying his actions probably warranted him being taken. No, I, I get what you're saying. And I do believe that even her words, her explicitly stating taze, taze, that is going to have a lot of bearing on what is the outcome of this. 
But I mean, she was, I mean, after people are protesting and making some noise, she was fired immediately and then arrested. And you, this is the fastest that I have ever seen a cop be arrested and charged with something. And I don't want to bring in feminism and make it a feminist issue, but I think it has something to do with her being a female. When there's a white male involved in a shooting that there's clearly no justification, there has to be protests for days for the governor or you, the DA's office to even bring charges. But in this situation, they just put this little woman in jail. No, I, I think, I mean, police forces have known to be somewhat of a boys club. So I think there, there might be some, you know, kind of weight to that particular argument. My thing is, is I think there's, I call them paper cases. I wonder if this is just a paper case because a lot of times, what they'll do is they'll charge these officers knowing that there won't be a conviction only to stop the like the protests and the riots at least momentarily but they know the entire time like there's no way that they're going to be convicted it's almost like a week and a nod type of deal or maybe they they say like oh we're going to prosecute the case and then eventually down the line say oh well we changed our mind because we can't find the evidence or the facts or whatever and then just with the timing of everything, I think we could go ahead and just transition into Derek Chauvin, especially with, you know, okay, getting actual convictions. Yes. And they rested their case yesterday. And I, I think we need to just go ahead and address that. So this was a few weeks long. The prosecution had... 38 witnesses over the course of 11 days. And the defense um, had, I believe it was seven witnesses over the course of two days. And Mr. Chauvin um, invoked his fifth. By the way, his name is Chauvin. I could be wrong. I don't give a damn. I'm trying. He invoked his Fifth Amendment right to not testify. So what are your thoughts? thus far on their the prosecution pleading their case in his defense if i'm going to be completely honest i haven't been tracking the case as closely as i should but um i just think i think personally i from the the bits and pieces that i have seen now i think it's you always got to look at your source and a lot of things that i've seen have been the clips that are shown on cnn or msnbc so naturally i think they're going to favor the prosecution in this particular case but i felt like the expert witness that they put on that the prosecutor put it on i think he did a really good job of conveying that i don't think there's ambiguity in it i think he died because eric chauvin put his knee on his neck and he and he killed him and because, and even the detail he goes, he goes, look at his toe, his toe is off the ground. And that means the full brunt of his weight is on there. Because I think in this particular case, because of the toxicology report and all the, you know, drugs that they're going to have in the system, you know, naturally they're going to say, well, he died because of the drugs. So for them to have an expert witness. Or the defense there, is trying to elude that maybe he died from the carbon monoxide because he was on the ground where the exhaust pipe of the car was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but what I'm saying, so like, 
for him to come out there and definitively say, no, he died because Derek Chauvin put his neck, um, his knee on that guy's neck and put all of his weight on it. And that's what killed him. I think that's really, I think that was a big thing. Cause a lot of times you can't get expert witnesses to really be that definitive, really say, that's why I think, you know, a lot of times they, there's a probability. Yeah, they'll, 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 probability. they'll kind of hedge their bets. So I feel like, and I think he did it in a way that seemed genuine. That didn't seem like, okay, like, oh, I'm clearly getting paid by the prosecution. So I'm going to say whatever I want to say. You I'm know what I'm saying? Defensive expert. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the, pro the prosecution, they had overwhelming evidence to prove their case. And I think that they did beyond a reasonable doubt, but of course it's gonna be up to those 12 jurors to make that determination on whether he's guilty or not guilty of, I believe it's three homicide charges. Um, I think it's second degree, third degree and um, voluntary manslaughter. I could be wrong, but I think it's those three homicide charges and one of them will have to stick or there's going to be crazy hectic chaos across the country because this is essentially the biggest case to make everything change for the BLM. I think that there's a huge chance that he's absolutely going to be convicted. We don't know as far as sentencing, what that is going to entail. That'll be up to the judge, I believe. But there's also another case that I want to touch on that was so disturbing to me, which was this lieutenant. And was it Virginia? What, where was that? I'm not sure. You're talking about the... Uh, I believe the, it was the, the DMV area. I believe it was the DMV area. And it was, um, how do you say his name? I think Come it's Karan. It's it's spelled C A R O N. I think it's Karan. Yes, Nazario, a lieutenant, and was pulled active over. duty, I believe, too. I think he's yes. He was being pulled over, and he was trying to be cautious and safe, and wanted to drive a little bit further so that he could be in a lit area before he stopped his car, which is very smart and especially. Um, safe and cautious when you're a black man dealing with law enforcement and the police officers um, were yelling at him to get out of the car get out of the car eventually pepper sprayed him he had his hands shown invisible um, the entire time because you know he didn't want anybody to think that he was reaching for anything and he would not put his hands down at all he wouldn't even take his seatbelt off he was that terrified of what could happen and what could go wrong. He was pepper sprayed. He this just disturbed me so much because it's so much hypocrisy. Colin Kaepernick taking the knee was so disrespectful to our veterans, but this, what the fuck do you call this? No, I think that's a fair point. And let, let me just rewind a little bit to provide full context. The idea, first of all, they say they, they pulled him over because uh, an issue with the license plates. Turns out the car is brand new. So, you know, when you buy a car from the dealership, you don't have plates right then and there. You have yeah, the visible in the yeah, back of the camera. You have the visible, you know, serviceable thing that they give you to identify like, hey, this is a new car, by the way. I don't have the license plate. So from, from everything that I've heard so far, he's literally done nothing wrong. Then he's getting pulled over. And by the way, I have to tell people, because people say this, why don't you comply? And a lot of non-legal people don't understand this. 
you have no duty whatsoever to comply with an optional request. There are certain things that you have to do and other things that you don't have to do. So if they ask you to do something that you don't have to do and you don't want to do, you don't have to do it. And Especially when he was asking the officers repeatedly, why am I being stopped? And they would not give him any justification for that. But here's another thing that I tell people, like even in cases where you're giving a, a lawful, something that you have to do, you're getting a, given a lawful order, that still doesn't give somebody the right as a police officer to now say, well, they didn't comply with my lawful order, now I can use excessive force. Like, no, they, they still have procedures and stuff that they need to follow even when you don't comply with the lawful order. So for him to say, for him to have his hands up and be like, and ask, hey, why am I being pulled over? For them not to give a response, you know, my people say, well, he, they don't have to uh, tell him why they pulled him over. For people who say that, it was like, well, then why do you feel like he has to comply with them? If they can't answer his simple question of why am I being pulled over, why should he comply with an order that he legally does not have to abide by? You know, assume that it was stolen, I don't know. But I, what is the reason? He was going the speed limit. He said that he was driving, you know, the speed limit. He wasn't driving excessively. I, I don't understand. And to be so disrespected, you can hear it in his voice, how terrified he was. And for a man, that's just so heartbreaking to me. And especially to have accomplished everything that he's accomplished and to be so disrespected but I, I just can't even fathom it. I'm so angry. Watching that video, I literally was like shaking. What in the entire fuck? Why? Yeah. And what kills me even worse out of this whole entire situation is this happened months ago. And those yeah. officers were not fired until it went viral on the internet. Here's the thing. It's like the old adage. Are, are you sorry with, for what you did or are you sorry that he got caught? My thing is, is like, oh yeah, you're, you're fired now because everybody knows, but as a police officer, I mean, as a police force, you guys were aware of this a long time ago and didn't fire him then. So but wait a minute, this makes it even worse. You can hear in the body-worn camera video them threatening him. Do you, if you want to keep your job, you're not going to say anything about this. Just let it go. Go ahead, go out your day. He wasn't even arrested, charged with anything. They're telling him in the body-worn camera video, don't even, just let it go. Just, if you want to keep everything you got going, just let it go. Who the fuck do you think you are? Are you serious? No, it, it, it was completely outrageous. And their conduct was completely unbecoming of what a police officer is supposed to be. And like I said, the disturbing part is, and this is what people say, because we, we talk about police brutality, and I'm glad that this case was brought to light, because we talk about police brutality, and, and every time we talk about it, you'll get uh, primarily right-leaning newscasts who bring up the statistic on how rare of an event it is for somebody to be shot. There's an entire spectrum of police misconduct and brutality. Like, yes, that brother was not shot, but that's police brutality. That's that's problematic behavior. So it's not necessarily just when somebody gets shot where it's an issue of police brutality. Because people are like, oh, there is no police brutality because this and this and this that that involve 
stopping shooting. It's not just shooting. If I if get pulled up, I mean, when we look at, you know, the way we were, the lens we were looking at police brutality in the 90s with Rodney King, he didn't get shot, he didn't die, but they, they roughed him up and they beat him up, and that was brutality. What happened to this brother was brutality, and brutality has different faces. So, and I, and I think this case illustrates the problem. And you get these people who have these damn records that are longer than my con law book, and they're still on the force, yet we're, we as a citizency, when we, we protest and stuff like that, people are like, what are they complaining about? Because when these cases aren't brought to the light, you keep them on. I don't even know if they were disciplined for this before the video came out or what was the nature of the conduct, but you, this is not just a one-off thing. You have this happen time in and time out, that unless it gets to the media, these police forces handle the issue, quote unquote, internally, and these people aren't removed, and they're allowed to reoffend time in and time out. And that's why, as the public, we're saying, "Yo, we're we're dealing with these police officers who are acting crazy because nine out of ten times they act with impunity." There's no fucking consequences, and it's disgusting. It's disgusting, and. There are tons of people out there that want to be police officers who are willing to do the job. Let those bad apples, because they always claim that there's only a couple bad apples, let them the fuck go. There's no reason why you can have so many complaints and continue to do the job. It's ridiculous. I just cannot. That I just cannot. And people always want to say, well, your, your, their jobs are hard. Their jobs are hard. Their jobs are hard. I, I concur. Being a police you officer. You signed up for a hard fucking job. Stop I'm crying. Saying, like I said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm one to talk. I mean, I, I signed up for law school and I complain about how hard it is all the time. But I'm saying when you sign up for something, knowing what you're getting into, you have to understand that there's going to be a standard that's holding them. I can't go to my professor and be like, yeah, like the the twenty five page you know document that you had me write, it was just too challenging, so I just decided not to do it. And and think you know, that that's you know, okay. and then for me, for instance, I'm like full on practicing. I get cases all the time that I don't feel that strong about. But guess what? I still have to advocate for my client, whether I want to, whether I'm down for their position or not. That's my position. This is what we're arguing for, and this is the right that I'm defending. It's what you sign up for, and that's and and at the end of the day, so it's like, yeah, it's a difficult situation. But if you don't think you're equipped to hand, you know, handle it. Turn in your badge and go do something else. It don't make you a bad person to be self-reflective and be like, hey, this is just not my thing. I'm not built for this. I'm telling you, I know an attorney in my office right now that's doing admin stuff because they can't take it. That's and and to be honest with you. That's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to do. If you feel like you're in a situation where you're in over your head, don't continue to have your incompetence impact others. Do do the right thing and report to your spirit like, hey, this ain't for me. I need to go find something that I'm better suited for because I don't want to be a menace to society as a police force when I'm, you know, taking an oath to serve and protect the community and really, you know, kind of just victimizing the community by my actions. And I think that's the problem that we have is too many times they're either getting a slap on the wrist or a smack on the ass telling them they did a good job when they're not. And that's the problem. And, And I think we as a citizenry have 
a right to say we want better and we deserve better. Absolutely. And especially when you have a career that affects people's lives, there is no room for error like that. It's disgusting. But the, I don't even think there is a moral of the story. The moral of the story is I'm sick of fucking black people being terrorized by the police. That's all I can think of. That, no, that's the moral of the story. The moral of the, also the other moral of the story is if you're in a job that you can't do, don't do it. <laughs> Simple as that. Like I tell people all the time, everything ain't for everybody. Tap in and tap out to what you can. But thank you guys so much for joining us. We had to touch on these topics or we would not be blackwashed. And we will see you all next week. All right. Thanks, you guys, for listening. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe to our podcast. I am Destiny Johnson. I'm Larry Sampson. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we said that shit. And we meant that shit.